When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. And kids, I love sports again. I love sports. Sports, 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 sports. For one week, I love sports one more time. As uh as Davis heard this twice today, because suck it, Maryland. Bah, yeah, yeah. My beloved University of Illinois fighting a lot. I finally getting off the proverbial schneid until they lose next week to the Wisconsin Badgers. But, hey, you know, they won this week. So, Iowa, dude. Iowa, Tony. You see Tony's here. Iowa. Now, you did lose your quarterback, so I guess there's that. But Iowa, who scores like five points a game, <laughs> won the football game. Anyway, yes, I love college football again. Still don't care about the pros. I don't care how well Justin Fields does. I'm not back in yet. On the Bears, one game against the Commanders isn't going to convince me quite yet. And we're not even here for that because we're here for Bandwagon Nerds, part of the Chairshot Radio Network here on the Chairshot.com, where we where we remind you to always use your head. The Chairshot.com, always use your head. 
And I am, of course, called them all out except for Ray Cash. They're all here. The OG bandwagon. Mr. Saturday Night PC Tunney is here. The lawyer, David Ongar, is here. The Reverend Raymond S. Cashington, the 72nd, is here today. I had to think on that one. But, yeah, there, there's been some losses in the family. And they're sad about it. Like, they're sad. Are, are you booing death? Is that what we're doing? Are you booing loss? Am I what? Are you booing loss? I am booing loss. I'm sad for your loss. Henceforth, the boo. Not the I mean, I don't have a sadness thing. Like, I have I have that. I have this where I tell you you're wrong. Wrong, like wrong, that, that wrong, one. wrong, 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 uh, wrong, wrong. I have laughter. You're wrong, you're wrong. I could have, I could have been like... Wrong. Here's the thing is I could have been like Raymond S. Cashington's family suffered serious losses. <laughs> that that seems bad. Or yeah, Tony. Or <laughs> Ray, Reverend Raymond S. Cashington, Esquire the 72nd, lost a significant portion of his family. <laughs> I, I just oh. All I hear when I hear these drops are I just feel like I see Keenan Thompson's face making a meme. Maybe. Like I, I mean, need Keenan face. I I don't have Keenan face. Sorry. We're gonna tell, we're gonna talk about Keenan Thompson at the end of the show today, so don't worry about it. Oh, are we now? Mm-hmm. Spoiler. A little, little tease. That's a tease, not a spoiler. That's a tease. Look at that teasing the end of the show with his eyebrow waggle over there, gentlemen. It here's here's the thing. We're gonna this week we got we got a good show. We gotta we gotta own that I forgot that New York City Comic Con was this weekend and they dropped a bunch of trailers like this weekend after I put out the, the rundown and I'm like whoops my my fault uh, I should have known because it always is New York New York Comic Con is always around this time of year and it just flew out of my brain and then all of a sudden Dave's sharing trailers Ray's sharing trailers Tony's sharing trailers I'm sharing trailers and it's my my fault my bad so. We might talk about a couple of those trailers that did drop, even though they're not in the rundown, because I figure if they were shared in our DM chat, they've probably been watched by at least a couple of you. So we'll we'll probably get to that when we get to the trailer park. Uh, but before we do any of that, of course, we're going to talk about Loki Season 2, Episode 2. We've got some news around the Nerdosphere, of course. Uh, and we're going to talk about how Tony may have only been half right when it came to to our new entertainment as he rolls his eyes. But let's start with Loki season two, episode two, the Brad Wolf episode, <laughs> basically, which uh, here, here's what I found really interesting about this is this guy who was basically introduced in episode one is like this linchpin centerpiece of episode two, because I don't remember Brad Wolf having much of a serious role. You know, I don't I don't even remember seeing him much in, in season one. Ray, Dave, was he was he there? Was is this a new guy? Seems like a new guy. Um, X5, Ray's right? Dottie. The Hunter X5, yeah, X5, right? I don't remember shit about him from the first season, Ray, do you? Nope. Never seen him before until episode one, but he was introduced in a very important way. Right. Like he he was he was clearly shown in episode one to be like, okay, we're going to have to pay attention to this guy because he's going to be, a-. and he is the one that is closely connected to General Docs, who poses a serious problem in this episode. As Loki and Mobius 
think the general docs and her hunters are searching for Sylvie in order to prune Sylvie and sort of save all these timelines when spoiler alert, the big reveal is, and we'll get to, we'll get to kind of the how a little bit, but the big reveal is, is that general docs basically goes rogue and takes any and every hunter that is loyal to her to try and prune all of these branching timelines. And it turns into this real serious moral quandary. And, and it's really hu- held by B-15, right? Like she's the one who's wearing the loss of life from these pruned timelines. And we get this very somber look at the TVA at the end of the episode. But she's kind of the voice of what everybody's experienced there, there in that finale. Uh, but through all this, the, the guy that loki and mobius are looking for is this dude brad wolf and we're introduced to brad wolf not x5 at the beginning of this episode at a movie premiere for uh what was the name of that movie it was something kind of goofy like zaniac uh, zaniac yes zaniac it looks like a werewolf movie i swear to god guys i was like wait a minute are we bringing werewolf by night into the show like that was my initial response when i saw the poster even though it wasn't werewolf by night you know it's not the same guy none of that but like part of me was like wait whoa where wait wait what if he's really a werewolf uh doesn't turn to be out to be that at all turns out that uh x5 slash brad wolf claims that he is trying to go back to the um the main timeline to live the life he was taken from and he is a famous movie star walking around. He wants nothing to do with Loki and Mobius. It takes a lot, lot of trickeration on their part to find out that he actually did find Sylvie, that he knows where she is, and, and to lead them to the McDonald's in Broxton, Oklahoma, where, where Sylvie is hanging out. Uh, we, we get a fun interplay between Mobius and Brad Wolf over old McDonald's food, apple pies for the win. I was always more of a cherry pie fan myself when it came to uh, you know any sort of deep-fried dough with fake fruit filling is apple pies are, are not my win it's 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 cherry pie but um all of this is to you know leads to wolf admitting what general docs is trying to do loki mobius and eventually sylvie though it takes a little convincing go in and try and stop her but not before she prunes about 30 percent of the branching timelines and then sylvie leaves and goes back to broxton oklahoma in 1982 still saying she wants nothing to do with this. In the midst of this all, uh, all, we are also still searching for, I've forgotten her name, so everybody drink. Um, Renslayer. Renslayer. Yeah, there you go, guys. Uh, searching for Renslayer, who we still know nothing about, though we did learn that Miss Minutes is still helping Renslayer in some way. So the mystery of Miss Minutes continues uh, we did get some fun interplay between Casey and Obi, as Casey is a super fan of Obi. And I just like Ki Hui Kwan and, and Eugene Cordero in that moment where Casey's like, I've read your whole manual. Can I get your autograph? And B15 having to be like, wait a minute, you just said we're all going to die. And Obi's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> so we're all going to die. Like, I love this character. It's It's so great. So, all right, I've talked enough. Let's start with uh, Ray this week. Ray, your thoughts on this episode? What what do you what stood out to you, my friend? What it what what do you got? The 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 one thing that stood out to me is how good Loki really is at the job. Yes, like he's actually a really good uh, 
analyst, investigator, whatever, um, him and Mobius have impeccable chemistry. And it just it makes you appreciate Owen Wilson as a character that much more because that kind of dry kind of Texan kind of yeah, it works so well playing off of Loki's eccentricities. Said that were right. Yeah, that's check, a good word. Check for me. It's a nickel word. Good Thank nickel you. word. Um, but no, this was a this was a really sad episode. It was really very somber. Um, but number one, we found out where all the the hunters were going with all those briefcases. Figured that out. Trying to destroy the timeline, so that was one thing. Um, yep. The Brad Wolf thing brought up probably the biggest unspoken question about the Loki series from Jump. Who were these people before they got proned? And Brad even right. asked, he, I mean, Loki even asked Mobius, you don't want to know? He's like, no, I'm good. He's like, but not, not even a little bit. He was like, no. And then Loki asked him, even if it was something bad, he was like, even if it was something good, he said, even if it was something good. And and, and uh, Mobius was like, it'd be worse if it was something good. Because <laughs> it was something good, I didn't get a chance to live it. Wait a minute. I thought that was very deep. Because well, and that's, um, and that's exactly what happened to Brad, right? Like, if you look yeah, at exactly. His, yeah, exactly his career as famous movie star, and yeah, to see that you don't get that, which is why yeah. he chose to, to stay. I want that, yeah, I, I don't blame him, and he's right, the entire TVA is a lie. But man, it's the way writing can be is, is so cleverly beautiful that the entirety of this show has been about all of the Lokis being the reason for the TVA. Essentially, they're basically right. the primarily ones who cre- who create the chaos and are the variants that cre- create the branches. And now it's the main Loki who's trying to save the TVA because the TVA is the only thing that can save the world or the universe or the multiverse. It, it, it takes fantastic writing to make that make sense, even to the point where the person who created the multiverse, not Kang, Sylvie, had to come back to try to save the multiverse that she created. And then got sad when they all died. It is. It doesn't make sense when you say it, but then you watch it for 10, 12 episodes, and you're like, oh, this is fantastic television. Once again, it's just riveting stuff. Um, Hiddleston is probably, man, is there anybody in the MCU, save Chadwick and, and RDJ, who truly owns their role like Hiddleston is Loki? Is there anybody else? I think those two Chris are going, Evans. right? Chris Evans. Okay, okay, but I mean... Like, I, I can't the, picture anybody else as Steve Rogers. Hemsworth, Hemsworth is pretty damn good as Thor as well, regardless so, of what you think of a few of the movies. To your, to, just one, to the, to to you, you two's point, I can't see anybody else as Captain as Captain America either. I can't see Tom Hiddleston as anybody else but Loki. That's the thing that's crazy to me. Right. Well, he, I mean, from the second Loki <laughs> appeared in Thor, in Thor, he has been more popular than Thor. He yeah. is easily been the you, you know he he's the villain who lived right like he's also a better who became the good guy he's also a better right. actor than a large majority of the people acting in oh the well he, he may be the best actor. actor yeah you know what i'm yes. saying yes. <laughs> like right that's true i i agree like i i don't know that there's yeah there's there's very few where i'm like nobody else could be this person and this person is this person. like and that's why i think you know that's why i say chris evans because chris evans thoroughly embodied in, in Captain America and his yeah. of work he did to do it. Like especially coming Robert off Danny of Jr. Johnny was, Storm. Yeah. Right. And and I think that was the thing is 
he was in different places in his life when he was Johnny. Like he was a kid when he was Johnny Storm, and Johnny Storm was was a, as a, an immature kid, so it kind of worked out. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's I I had no argument there though. That Tom Hiddleston, like he's the one who's still going. That'd be a fun know? conversation to have one day. I think uh, yeah. is the people who and by the role the best. I don't think we can include RDJ and we can't include you can Jack. Do it. There are you special can make situations. A, you can make it a five by five, best and worst. Hey, if you we you could. game, Pat, I'm game. Yes, I'm game. At some, I keep saying this. Someday I got to record five by fives again because now people are suggesting them again. So, <laughs> um, absence made the heart grow fonder, Dave. That's what happened. We almost had to do an impromptu five by five. I thought I was going to lose him today for hockey talk, but it did not happen. Speaking of Dave, Dave, your reactions to this episode, thoughts, anything you want to point out and talk about as uh, as we end episode two? Well, I mean, a couple of things like you guys are saying. It's it's a somber episode billions of lives are lost at the end of this thing i mean many of the timelines get pruned i think that's the main thing to keep in mind is that billions of lives are lost these are like the incursions that you know we read and read about in the infinity saga in the comics and that sort of thing so you've got that element going on um yeah it it, it is interesting there's like the when this whole brad wolf thing this was his life on the timeline and you kind of start wondering, like, is there a matrix element to this thing? Can you be inserted into various different timelines and have various different outcomes? But to me, I think like the thing that's fascinating to me about Loki and, and Mobius kind of brings it out of him is Loki struggles to, in my opinion, with am I a good like Ray is talking about it? Am I a good guy? Am I a villain? And he's still struggling with that identity. And he, you know, Brad telling him, you've done terrible, awful things. And he reminds him along the way, I've done terrible, awful things. And it's Mobius who kind of gets it out of him. You're the god of mischief. Get with the program. And it kind of takes Mobius to, in my opinion, get Loki to go to that next level. I'm going to put you in this box that I can control and shrink you down to the point that I can crush you and disintegrate you if I want to as the way to finally get Brad to disclose where Sylvie was at. So to me, that's the fascinating part is Loki still struggling with, am I a villain or am I a good guy who has recognized the terrible, awful things that I did? And I'm trying to get redemption or atonement for that. Um, Sylvie is, is a fascinating character to me. And at the end, it's like, you know, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, you know, with Sylvie, she created this multiverse, like you said, Pat, and left it in, in complete disarray. And I don't know if she really, I don't know if she and really. Ray, 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 credit where credit's due. Ray said Sylvie. Okay, that. Ray, uh, sorry, Ray, you, you're the man. But I'm wondering, did, did she really appreciate the chaos that she created when she did that? And I don't think she did until she goes back there and she sees what's happening. And realizes, because it almost seems like when she goes to Broxton and starts working at a McDonald's, that she's trying to have more of like a normal sort of life. And by the end of this episode, she realizes, well, that's gone. Um, so it's, it's Sylvie's very fascinating to me. And the kid she's talking to at the end, like, OK, something's up with this guy. I don't know what it is yet, but there's something about him. To your point about that and Sylvie, she pulled a Thanos. As soon as she killed he who remains, she went to go go to vacation to the garden. She had she realized she could stop running. Unfortunately, yeah. the garden was in Broxton, right. Oklahoma. But hey, well, we all got to have I, our I just, gardens. I don't know if she knew the chaos that she created until she saw. You saw she didn't even want to listen to Loki, and Loki was like, "Enchant me! I'll show you what I saw." And it took her enchanting Brad Wolf to see they wasn't lying to her. Right. Um. I love the opening scene of this episode, by the way. Uh, Loki going full 
got a mischief trickery magic on Wolf to capture him and just showing how useless it was for our good friend, Mr. Wolf, to try and run. You know, I think it was Tony that was talking about how good he is as an investigator or whatever and good at his job. Uh, he's also really good at being a hunter because of who he is. And, and that was awesome. So last, just I mean, another last nice say, It's interesting from a fan standpoint as well, because I'm like, I get conflicted. Do I want to see evil, you know, God of mischief, Loki, or do I like this more kinder, gentler version a little bit more? And I, I'm still kind of torn on that. So. I'm not really torn. I want him to be the quote unquote tweener that he is. Like I want him to walk that line and be, I don't know if the anti-hero is the right word. Maybe it is, but I think that's what they're going for is he's not exactly doing, he's not always doing good things for others, but he, his results are heroic. So I, you know, who knows? I I think it'll, it'll play out. It'll be all right. So we end this episode again, Sylvie's on, the hood of her pickup truck holding her 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 medallion and sort of staring at the sky what's next because this was a like i think that's the real what what do we do where do we go from here because this episode resolves itself with the the immediate problem of um you know general uh general docs being captured and brought in you know they didn't they didn't save all the timelines but they they did save a lot of them where do where, who's next? What's next? What's the next step in this mystery? You got to think at some point, Miss Minutes gets introduced here and, and we know what's going on on the other side. We don't really know a lot about the operation on the other side. Right. right. Um, I also want to mention that I worked at a McDonald's in 1995 and 96, and um, it was only two ninety nine for a Big Mac meal back then. So good times. Ah. Good to, thanks, uh, Joe. Thanks, thanks, Joe Biden. To t- <laughs> yeah, to it's Tunney, Joe Biden's fault. To Tunney's point, got to remember Renslayer's temp had finally got a hit on that during this episode. So yes, that, that was became the big active, thing had, right? Right. Yeah, and Great. and let's not forget that while one major issue with the time with the timelines and the branches was forgive my use of the word, but resolved. Or Boris mentioned that. The, the temporal doors won't open anymore. The blast doors won't open anymore. And the only person who can get them to open has to have their temporal aura. And that's only he who remains. So we've seen yep. in, in we've seen in many of the trailers, Victor Timely, maybe that's where he comes in. Maybe. Yeah. It's because that is the scene that is at the tail end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. That's the last screen tag. So we know we're getting that at some point. Okay. I just I just well, want to add one oh. thing real I just want to add one thing real quick because I didn't really get a chance to talk about the whole episode but the 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 way they did it with the oh, that was action a, that was a little bit of a dig. Did well, I didn't you 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 skipped me did we yeah it's okay no big deal this you will be quick you hit him with the Uno card you did you did it's okay it's, it's fine okay. I it's okay I you know you know what draw Illinois, four Illinois won you're good we lost um no they you're the the, the opening. Now? The opening chase sequence, and like you said, the shadow magic, freaking awesome. But I, the interrogation, I think is so underrated, and we're going to look back at how really good that was. Because, and my favorite part is Brad telling them exactly who they are and trying to make them realize. Because without a really good, you know, pushback from him, it doesn't become much of a sequence or scene. So I, I loved it. Dave mentioned the box and where we're going is great. So. Um, also, key lime pie, not green. 
Who likes key lime pie? I'm not a fan. Anybody? My kids Apparently do. Mobius it's, it's so weird. My kids love it. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know. It's you, you do something like that. So the it's a quirk. It's character quirk, right? Like it's character quirk. So that you're like, oh, this is what one of those things that makes Mobius special. Listen, Mobius, and he finally finds out that in his life, he was a jet ski salesman that worked across the street from a bakery that made key lime pie. Makes all the world, doesn't it? That's kind of the thing that's really interesting about the whole, like, what was your life? Because your life could have been nothing, right? Like, it, not nothing, but, like, less consequential than famous actor doing weird uh, well, werewolf. Renslayer's life was that. Right. Remember, we went Probably. back and she was just sitting with a homegirl eating brunch, watching the sun, the sun or whatever it was. Right. So, interesting, interesting stuff. Look forward to seeing if we make some progress on the Renslayer track down. Uh, yes, Tony? Breaking news, hot girl had rough life. Right. Got you. Um, we're going to head on on that note. We'll head into our first commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to go to the trailer park. All kinds of trailers, plus a few not on our rundown, because New York Comic Con happened this week. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network and part of the Chairshot.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of thechairshot.com. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shop for all of your chair shot swag needs, including the Bandwagon Nerds shirt. I have one. DPP has one. Nobody else has one. Be the third owner of a Bandwagon Nerds shirt. $19.99. Spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Your giblets will be appreciative. What's this half and half waving your face? See, this is why you get fucking booed. This is why you get booed, because you sit there and you heal it up like a jerk face over the bandwagon nerd shirt. You can't just he's be a supporter of the pack, show. He's holding out for the total package shirt. That's what Ray is holding is, out for. It's the well, total package. The total package. Um, whatever. We're going to go to, fine, we're just going to the trailer park. You know, we can't support the brand. We're just going to go to the trailer park. Oh, now, now we're bringing shugs and faces we about to kick Ray off the show, y'all. Dry, anyway, the dry erase please board is, do. Dry erase board is back. Oh, you don't. You please, can't quit please this show. Kick you me know off. you can't. You can't quit this show. And you know I can't quit you because who would I make fun? I just make fun of. You. Actually, what am I talking about? I would okay, just, okay. I would just change. I mean, the just bandwagon mountain. Yeah, broke back bandwagon. Pat, Pat and That's Ray right. abandoned on a mountain. So <laughs> I just can't seem to quit yeah, you. Jesus, I need some. There's chocolate. some imagery for. It. Just saying. All right, thank you, babe. It's trailer park time. 
it's banjo time, which seems a little apropos after that discussion. So, Dave, play <laughs> that beautiful banjo. into uh the trailer park i have to tell you guys this so this past weekend i checked out my local music venue and i thought of this show while listening to the they're not really a band it's a duo they're called tall tall tree uh, and I, dave's dave's already heard this story once but because uh, spoiler alert we record a podcast before we record this podcast together so dave hears all my stories twice but i had to share this with you guys because Tall Tall Trees is these two dudes. One dude is from Asheville, North Carolina. And he comes up and he had what he called the Banjo Tron 6500. And let me tell you, this was the greatest banjo I've ever seen in my entire life. First of all, it lit up. It was electric. He used it as a drum. He played, he used a, he rosined up a bow and played it like a fiddle. He played regular banjo. He made it sound like a sitar. It was fucking amazing and so now we need to find this guy and i need i need to I, I'm, fr- I'm following him on insta i'm gonna see if i can get some banjo tron 6500 banjo music for the show because i it blew my, my mind blown completely blown i'm just gonna throw this out there we're coming near the end of this season of bandwagon nerds so we need a new theme song for next season they what constitutes the end of the season, by the way? Do you just arbitrarily like say, ah, it's about time? It's 52 weeks, and I just multiply that. So episode 208 is the end of the current season, right? It's our fourth got, year. I, I think you got lawyered there. I, I just, I don't do the math. I, it's not really lawyered. It, it, it's not like he said you're wrong because this clause said blah, blah, blah. That's I asked because he, he wanted He, he wanted it. to know the rationale yeah. behind it. I gave it to him. Listen, if you want to learn how to rhyme, you better learn how to add. It's mathematics, okay? It's science. Right, but I don't work in a job that requires me to do so. Why should I care? (laughs) See that? I thought I was getting into a job that didn't require me to do math, and I was proven very wrong. Because money equals numbers equals math. Anyway, go ahead. Right. First, you steal the underpants. (laughs) Profit. Yes. Step one, steal underpants. Step two, step three, profit. (laughs) Tony. Loving the old school South Park reference. Oh my God, Patrick! What? That was Why? funny. Thank was... you. I know yes. I can be funny. Well, I, I, almost, I, I, almost, okay. I almost shared this. Well with you. You, see, you see, Disney's well pissed off at South Park now for some stuff. Oh, Disney's pissed off at everybody. Who cares? Nobody cares. Fuck Disney. Fuck you, Bob Iger. I was excited oh, when you took over. There we go. Here I... comes another one of those rants. <laughs> no, no rant. Though I will say, he brought back Park Hoppers. At any time now, at at Disney World and Disneyland. So now and you will be lining his and... coffers very soon with that. Fucking okay, right, I am. Yeah, I will pay for the magic while I curse his unholy name. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Buzz Lightyear? Fuck you, Bob. Anyway, let's get into the trailer park. Full disclosure: I I put this trailer park together before. New York Comic Con came out and put out a bunch of trailers. So we're going to talk about a couple of additional trailers, it, it, as well as the ones that are on here. 
Uh, in my never-ending quest to eventually get more than one person on this panel to check out you know, an anime series, I have shared what I thought was one of the most dope trailers for an anime series that I've seen in a long time, and that is for the upcoming Netflix series Blue Eye Samurai, a classic samurai tale of revenge centered around a woman protagonist pretending to be a man because in feudal Japan, revenge is only allowed for men not women and this woman is a monster created by these four white guys uh one of these four white guys the trailer itself though really the whole reason i shared this is because it plays metallicus for whom the bell tolls sung in japanese and that was fucking dope but i want to watch this this trailer in the show the animation looks beautiful gorgeous it's delightfully bloody you guys know i love a good samurai kung fu like that that you know east asian japanese cultural sort of you know, Chinese, Japanese, whatever, um, cultural storytelling. This is feudal Japan, samurai. I'm 100% in. I can't wait to check this out. Huge, awesome cast, by the way. If you guys haven't checked it out, ton of great Asian actors um, as a part of this. And anytime I see George Takei as one of the voice actors in something, I, I instantly know that it's going to be um, strong just from a casting perspective. So I have no illusions that you guys are going to check this out. Maybe Dave, because he liked the trailer, eventually, someday, maybe. But uh, just a quick once around, I'm not even going to ask you if you're going to watch it. Your thoughts on what you saw out of this trailer, Dave Ungar. Yeah, I, I know you shared this with me in a, in a private chat that Pat sent it to me. He said, check out, stick around to the end for the music, which, as you've indicated, is phenomenal. Because, you know, for whom the bell tolls in, in Japanese is, is, yeah, I mean, this, this had a, a really cool look to it. Uh, the theme looks good. This looks like something that, yeah, if I didn't have a bunch of other stuff going on, I would absolutely want to check it out. Is this a series or just a, a movie? It's a series. Okay. It's, um, you know, it's an, it's an animated series. It's an anime okay. series. Uh, some of the voices, by the way. So Masioka, who you might remember from Heroes. Um, Ido Nakamura. Not Nakamura. Shinsuke was it? Nakamura? Yeah. What? No, you're Shinsuke's big Tiro Nakamura. Yes. Um, Brenda Song, also Randall Pack or Randall Park, sorry. So I mean, this has got some star power behind it, at least in terms of voice acting. And like I said, all Asian actors, all of them. So very exciting um in terms of casting. But sorry, I cut you off there. No, no, that's fine. I mean, yeah, it, it's got a solid cast. It looks it absolutely looks like something I'd want to check out if I could just, you know, find some extra time, which you know, good luck. But uh, yeah, there's nothing to dislike about this trailer. It, it looks pretty damn awesome. Love the art style. It, it got a really good look to it. So I think it's a winner. Well, PC Tony, unfortunately, it's not on IMAX or 3D. So uh, <laughs> or at a theater. Uh, let me tell you something. I'm struggling right now to figure out whether I'm going to go see the Marvels in Screen X or 3D BT dubs. So. Uh, um, I don't know which one I'm going to do yet. We'll figure that life out. It must be really hard for you. Uh, Sorry to hear that. Um, the trailer's awesome. The trailer is fucking awesome. And the way that music is used in cinema, this was, you know, one of the highest levels of kind of matching that up. And, you know, Metallica translates every single language. The way they play music is, is fucking unbelievable. But um, I am not going to watch this. I'm not a fan of, I know. of the... I, Plus, it's like it's like I don't even have time to even try stuff either. Like Dave says, it's just so ridiculous on how much shit is out there. So, but it looks great. I honestly, I think uh, 
wonder if it shows up on one of the uh, reviews for from uh, Talking the Cake um, with with those guys over there. So we'll see. Yeah, maybe. Ray Cash, your thoughts first on this trailer? First and foremost, shout out to PC Tunney, single handedly keeping 3D alive in 2023. Well done. They keep putting uh, it out. They keep having them. <laughs> just me. Um, all I know is there was a part of the of the trailer where they were like some the dudes or the lady, I can't, don't know who it was, said something like, I can't wait for you to stop and 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 stay there and then he'll open your throat. And I was like, Hey yo, whoa, a minute. She ain't fucking around, dude. Whoa. <laughs> Hold up. Um, to quote the great modern philosopher Randy Jackson, it's a no for me, dog. It looks dope. I don't think I'll have the time. Or the interest. I'm don't, I'm not saying if it's on. I mean, I pay. I won't pay attention because it looks cool. One of these this days, is, fellas. One of these this, days, I'm gonna get y'all forward with this shit. You you need to get my baby girl on the show because you know she's my anime freak, so she may be into it. Well, and you should show her the trailer and and, and be like, what you think? So I I I think it looks awesome. I of course will sign up for it. I'm there. Uh, got it. Got to get my anime fix as the Castlevania Nocturne series. I, I absorbed in a day and a half with the uh, with a little doubt. It was it was crazy. He loved that series, by the way. He, he's interested in Blue Eyed Samurai too. So at least I'm starting to bring him into the anime fold, getting him on board. So we got that going for us. All right, let's move on to an A24 uh, joint. This being a a venture into okay. The, the series is called The Curse. It's gonna it's gonna be debuting on uh, Showtime. It stars Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder. They are a, they are a, or sorry, it's written by, I don't know, Nathan Fielder is, is an actor too, but he's also one of the writers. Um, but Fielder and Stone play this like house flipping couple in this tiny community. And so I started looking it up uh, and, and by, based on the trailer, shit gets weird. Like as I'm watching this trailer in, in very A24 fashion, like this looks like psychological horror. So I'm like, I'm going to look this up and just see if I can get some more details on it. So I jump on the internet and it keeps getting defined as a comedy. Did, Dark comedy. Did, yeah. 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 There was okay. Funny so what did you see that I didn't see? Cause I was like, man, this seems more thriller territory with some dark humor interspersed, but I wouldn't have called it comedy. I just found that really interesting. So Ray, go ahead. You commented first. It's also going to be on uh, Paramount plus. If you yeah. have Showtime. I think the, the point of it isn't to be scary. The point of it is that these, if I can say it the way that I saw the trailer, the two white saviors in the Hispanic and disenfranchised community trying to save the community. And like the, the whole scene where, where the dude gets cursed, yeah. like they're being taped and he's like, all right, go get a girl some money. I don't got no money. I got a hundred. Here's a hundred dollars. Here's money, and then he goes back trying to get it. Like there's humor in that. Now, granted, the curse right. takes away from the humor, so I just don't think the point of it is to scare us or to 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 leave you terrified or have your heart pumping. That's just a plot in the demise and almost turning the camera. If I'm, it can be metaphoric here, on the t- the two white saviors. By oh the yeah, way, white people. Oh yeah, absolutely. By the way. I always think it's dope when A-list actors come back and do series. I think it is the most, it's, it's the greatest gift actors can give back to their craft. Emma Stone is as big as it gets in Hollywood right now because every role she gets, she's up for an Oscar. And she's back here doing a series on Showtime? Baby, you, you work yep. more than that. 
But I think that's a dope way to give back because now people are going to watch this series for no other reason than Emma Stone in it must be good. And like, that's dope to me. That's that's a dope way to give back to the community. Now, of course, it looks fun. I had had to be a little black girl like they're not in New Orleans. So why did the little black girl curse y'all when you're in Espanola? What are we doing? Come on, Showtime. But there all will be explained when you watch the show. Needless to say, H24 don't miss. Carmelo Hayes and H24 don't miss. This is the one that I might have to be like, I, I'm going to make some time for this. Yeah, I think it looks really interesting. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Tony, you, uh, your thoughts on The Curse? It looks interesting. Um, probably something I won't watch. But at the same time, I just want to react a little bit to what Ray said and the fact that Emma Stone coming back and kind of doing a streaming series outside of like a possibly nominated movie or blockbuster event. That's what she's worked to be able to have the liberty to do. I'm sure this is a nice. script that she was, prov- you know, provided and, and fell in love with and, and you know, been probably has worked with whoever they're working with right now before. So good for her. It does look really good. It looks like it reminds me of um, what was the HBO series? Oh, The Leftovers a little bit where it, in that kind of vibe. Um, but we'll see. I bet you I bet you it's pretty good. To your point, Tony. Most of the A-list actors that come back for streaming series, it's their series. They wrote it. They bought the rights to it. They adapted it. She just an actor in this, so she really just right. wanted to do her this, co-star. Is her co-star is one of the three. Is one of the two main writers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's got to be. I, you got to believe it's a strong script, right? Like just ask. Yeah, yeah. Like one, the second you read it, I want this. Got for right. Emma. Emma Stone. Yeah, come on. Nice. Uh. Dave, or did I did I get you, Tony? Or you just kind of jump in? Oh, you're good. Yeah, okay, Dave, your thoughts on the curse? Um, yeah, it, it looks interesting. I I, I was kind of like trying to figure out what kind of uh, series it was watching it because I couldn't tell. Is it humor? Is it dark comedy? Is it is it something you know deeper and darker? I love what Ray said. Yeah, they're not in New Orleans, so I got a little black girl cursing people. <laughs> uh, random ass black girl. I curse you. I curse black you. Girl. Yeah, it's like what was that one movie thinner, you know, where or dr- drag you to hell, drag me to hell, where they get cursed and. Wait, hey, but at least we didn't lean into the gypsy stereotype this time, all right? That's true. That that is very true. They they we avoided just made that. A, we just made America scared of black and, girls. Now. And it looks like this yeah. isn't so much well, like you know. demonic creatures dragging somebody <laughs> to hell. It's more like just bad luck. Their luck goes from like we're on top of the world, and then. You know, because this guy pulls a Ted DiBiase on this chick. Oh, yeah. No, it's a hundred dollars. I didn't mean that. Give it back to me. The second. Here's the thing is the second that trailer, like the second that scene set up, you knew he was going to do the dick thing and ask for the hundred dollars back. And what's funny is like in that trailer, they show Emma Stone's like, why didn't you just let her keep the hundred dollar bill? Like, what's wrong? Like, why would you do that? And he was like, why do you know people were still filming? They're always being filmed. Like, you idiot. So, Didn't he say something I, like, I was going to break it up and give 620s? That's not how right. math works. What he are was, we doing? He was, he was he, bullshit and bullshit. Like on that Patrick O'Dowd side of the mathematics. <laughs> hey, now. It would have been 720s. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, we're getting into now uh, some trailers that were released out of Comic-Con. We did get our first... I, you know, I was kind of done with The Walking Dead. I'm still done with The Walking Dead. I'm going to share. I'm not watching this series, but if I were to choose a Walking Dead series to watch, this would be the one to watch. We got our first sort of teaser trailer for The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Lived, 
the return of Andrew Lincoln and his Rick Grimes character to uh, to the Walking Dead universe uh, on AMC. I, I, I was uh, Dave. I'm going to go to you first because I know you were watching more Walking Dead. Michonne also makes an appearance as well, uh, and we we see that she's going to be back first. Sounds like season two, maybe not season one, this but uh, but here we are. Walking Dead, the ones who lived. I think you shared it, so why'd you share it? Well, because it's The Walking Dead, because it is Rick and Michonne. It is the return of Andrew Link. And I know, like, and I didn't, I haven't even watched the last season, to be honest with you guys, but I know he kind of sort of shows up at the very end of the final episode, mm-hmm. Ray saying, yes, he did. But you really don't know where he's been or what happened to him so much. Um, Ray, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this trailer is like where he says, what was interesting to me is he's like, I tried to get away. Please know I tried. So it's, I'm like, okay, did he try to get away from his captors? Or was this all part of the plan for him to get away from And I can't imagine it's for him to get away from the group he was with. So I, I got to figure he was held somewhere by the whoever it was. And he tried to get away and he failed. And then, you know, Michonne has picked up his trail or something happens at the end. But I mean... You're talking to the most beloved characters uh, and Walking Dead was arguably never the same after Andrew Lincoln left. So I think, you know, you look at what's happened, you know, the Maggie and Negan go in one place, Daryl Dixon going to frickin France. Um, now you've got Rick and Michonne. So it's the core group, you know, fear of the Walking Dead's coming to an end. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting how they kind of <laughs> split the universe apart to presumably bring it to back together at some point in time down the line. So. That, that's kind of what I was interested in. I, I wanted to see, you know, what happened to Rick? Where has he been all this time? Why couldn't he get away? And I think this will answer some of those questions. It's for me, the Walking Dead series got so stale and boring to watch and hard to watch until that last season where they sort of where things got ramped up to 11 was, was a little more exciting. It killed my interest spinoffs. It really did. Like the core series became so dull and repetitive that I just don't care. And so unfortunately, like I, it may be good. I hear good things out of the Daryl Dixon show, but mm-hmm. I ain't going to watch it because I, I don't know. No, I'm done. I'm done with walking dead. Ray, uh, your thoughts on uh, walking dead. So let me say this. I am a believer still in the lore of the series. Um, I enjoy the series very much. You, you Okay. Interesting. I'm sorry. Um, the greatest thing that ever happened at Walking Dead was also the worst thing for it, which was Negan. And because, again, we're all comic book readers here. Negan is the linchpin of the series at a certain point. But because he was so overpowering and because America wasn't ready for the amount of death that came with Negan, specifically on that first night, that kind of killed the series for a minute. But there's a point in the series, maybe two seasons before the end, where they did a full five-year jump after, after right. the beginning. Oh, yeah. And everything after that jump has been fantastic. I mean, yeah, I, some I, of the I don't, best I stuff watched, they've ever done. I watched Walking Dead episode one to episode whatever it was. I watched yeah. the beginning to end. Yeah. Um, for me, the problem was it was just too little too late. Well, for people like you, I get that. Like, it never bothered me because I was into it the whole time, but I'm also a fan of Negan. I read the comics, so I was waiting for right. Negan. Um, sure. But the only reason I bring that up is to kind of, number one, answer Dave's question, because in the time jump, Rick brings all the communities together and they sign a charter. And th- towards the end, um, 
Rick gets separated from the group because there's this bridge he's trying to build and he ends up having to, he knows he feels like he's about to die because there's a whole horde of walkers they can't get rid of. And he got failed and got impaled and he knows I'm about to die. So he shoots the uh, bridge filled with charges like dynamite charges to blow up all the walkers and expecting to kill himself in the end. But Jadis, who's one of the people from the dump, actually works for the Civic Republic military, the CRM. Um, and they save him in a helicopter. In the later seasons, Michonne gets caught on the island and sees remnants of Rick, drawings of him and like notes from him saying he's trying to get back to her and RJ and, and Judith and whatnot, which is why she leaves. And Daryl be, basically becomes the, te- the father and caretaker of Judith and RJ. So this series is important because it's the first time we get because Denai Gudera eventually became the third lead. Well, fourth if you count Maggie, but the other lead with Rick right. and Daryl. So this is them coming back. Andrew Lincoln left the show because he was like, I've done enough with this character. But the plan was always for him to do a made-for-TV movie. And Scott Gimple talked him into doing it to doing the series, which made more sense. Um, the Walking Dead lore is killing right now. But they have essentially alienated so many of the casual folk that you pretty much got to be a fan of it. I haven't seen any of the Daryl Dixon show, but that show, apparently, how I said how we got there is a whole other conversation. But that apparently is the most important show in the, all of the shows because it explains everything that happened because it all started in France, apparently. So, like, everything is really, really good quality now. It's just most people don't care anymore. That's fine. Because there's enough people watching to keep it on TV. And so this may bring back some of the on the fence people because Rick was the Rick was that dude. And Denai Gadera is, is as hot as it can be right now. So it may work for viewers, but as far as a television show from the entire point of caring about the lore and the series, this is probably the most important thing. We've this and Daryl Dixon are super important. Respect to what they tried to do with Maggie and Negan, Dead City, nobody watched. Wasn't important. These two shows matter in terms of the lore of the series, so I'm here for it. Cool. Um, I, I won't be. Uh, but I respect that you are. Because, well, as you said, I'll it, watch it, it lost. And you it watch just, the Samurai did. series, and we'll tell each, right, other about, tell each other about the other ones. Sure. Bandwagon uh, Nerd, show right. and tell. There you go. Something like that. Uh, we got a new longer trailer for the upcoming Timothy Chalamet led Wonka film. Guys, I'm going to. Think. You are, huh? Because of Connor? Because of the little low down. down. A little low down. Thumbs up. To, and here's the thing is the more I watch you, Grant, as, as this Oompa Loompa, the more I kind of want to see what's going to happen here. Um, but no, the little low down, I was like, what the way I do trailer reviews, I've shared this. Like when we go to the movies, he thumbs ups or thumbs downs. Well, when we haven't gone in a while, I'll pull up YouTube on the old television. We'll watch him there. He watched this one and he was like, and I was like, it's the Oompa Loompa, isn't it? Yeah, pretty funny. <laughs> like when he drops back in the recliner, puts on the mask, and then to me, Shalom is like, mm. huh, what? What is it? And then he's like, nothing, nothing. And he goes back, and then Timothy Shalom once again goes, huh. And he talks about poking him with a stick or something. I can't remember what it was that he tells him he's going to poke him with. Um, that was it. And the little old dad was in. So now in December, I will be uh, 
I will be seeing Wonka. I it's going to do well. It's yeah. going to do well. I'll bet you. Um, I'll, I'll bet you that uh, uh, Hugh Grant gets a Oscar nomination for this for supporting actor. Oh. No. Oh yeah. Yes. No. Maybe I've already told no. you. Uh, Ryan Gosling yes. getting one for Barbie. He may get one for this too. Yes. Okay. If you I, go I don't see, know if I buy that yet. If you're going to go see it, Patrick. I'll go see it, and we can review it on the show. I, sure I would think. Thing. It was I, absolutely. Like, I'll, I'll happily talk about it on what you're watching. Yeah, it'll be how we do it. It's kind of what looks that's good. become now. No, no, it looks good. Um, Dave, are you still old man yells at cloud? No. Over, no, over. I like. I you know, like over I mean, needed. No, I love Willy Wonka and the Charlie, the Chocolate Factory. I like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The Johnny Depp remake wasn't so bad. Um, this is obviously the prequel for that. I, you know, somebody made the comment on on the trailer that, and I agree with this. It, like, it's kind of nice to see a heartwarming movie out there in all amidst, amidst all this shit that's out there right now. Something that's just family friendly and fun. And this movie is going to check both of those boxes. So. Yeah, I think I, I think it looks, uh, you know, the Oompa Loompas here are a little bit different, but they have that more of that Oompa Loompa. And they're like, to me in the trailer, the mo- like you guys are saying, the most compelling part of the trailer is not so much Willy Wonka. It's the Oompa Loompas and the interaction with them. So, yeah, I think that that's that's a, a definite, uh, you know, something different from the f- initial movies where the Oompa Loompas are just singing in the background sort of thing. So, um, yeah. I think this looks like a lot of fun. I would not rule out seeing it in the theaters either. Well, that's three. Let's go to Ray. Your thoughts on what? Oh, he's already shaking his head. No, he's out. I've I've been open with y'all. I don't care for Willy Wonka. It's never been There's something no, I've liked. No I've little never enjoyed it. First people. Well, I, maybe they need more little black girls first. Again. I, I will say. This is the trailer that almost got me, though. <laughs> Fair this enough. is the best of the bunch. The other trailers I didn't care about. This trailer got me. I like. I was like, okay, I may have to catch this. Um, Hugh Grant's amazing. Tim, Timmy Chalamet. Is Tim Chalamet the best dude we've seen since G. Wilder? Like, he's fantastic in this role. It's such a tall order, though, to be... It's a, it's a different... This is what's really interesting about this, because it can't help but compare, especially since they're clearly channeling the 1971 film and they're there you know with the music and, and all that um he's not trying to be gene wilder I, I i don't think at all like when i watch him in this portrayal um i'm not sure how much i i don't know how i feel about what i've seen of the character so far because it's very frenetic um almost to the point of like as somebody who has you know has some neurodivergence adhd business going on there it's almost a little overwhelming to the senses the way he like talks so fast and goes everywhere and all over the like that it actually makes it a little hard for me to follow so i'm intrigued to see how he goes uh timothy chalamet is just a hell of an actor though i like his 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 work in dune alone is enough for me to be on board which hey um can we get that actor strike ended so i can get my uh release of dune part two please we have that oh wait no it's not gonna happen we'll talk about that later um what's that tony like my prediction as well, I would like to come to fruition. Yeah, I do. I would too. Um, but right now, it's not looking good. We'll get to that later in the show, though. What we are going to talk about uh, before we go into the New York Comic Con trailers that dropped, we did get. We are going to jump into the wrestling world again with A twenty four doing this this long talked about biopic of the Von Erich family called the Iron Claw, notably starring Zac Efron. 
in the role of Kevin Von Erich, which I got to share, I have not been reading closely about the making of this movie. I honestly, God, thought that they were making uh, and that uh, Efron was playing Carrie, not Kevin. And watching the trailer and realizing, oh, he's playing Kevin Von Erich completely changed my outlook on on the movie. Like, I'm actually much more interested. I was going to watch this movie anyway. Uh, world-class championship wrestling was something that I very much enjoyed in my youth. That family is one of the, you know, it's one of the tragedies of pro wrestling. And it is, it is a compelling story to see put to film. Uh, but seeing Zach Efron play Kevin, not Carrie, uh, actually made me appreciate where this film is going a bit more because it's centered on the surviving member of the Von Eric family. And him and, and his experience and it, it really completely changed everything. This this trailer, this movie looks phenomenal. Like it looks really good. It's going to be crushing. It's going to be soul crushing for any wrestling fan out there. Anybody who knows the history of this family, um, it's going to be a good watch. It's going to be a hard watch. It's going to be the type of movie I watch one time and maybe never watch again. But you know, I it's it looks it looks great. Uh, Kevin Von Erich has made a statement um, already and just reminded people that while this is a film rooted in fact, but, you know, remember, it's still a film. And, and just, you know, he didn't he didn't denounce the movie necessarily. He didn't say everything they made is a bunch of bullshit. Uh, but he did also make a point to say that you know, it's a dramatization of, of his family, not the full the full shebang. So, Dave, I think it's your turn to go first this time or is it Tony's? Um, comment uh either can go yeah it's interesting the timing of this because i know we just recorded a uh a part of the bit next big four project and a big part of the conversation was carrie von eric right tony we talked about him quite a bit on there so um yeah this this looks like definitely something i gotta go see um the von eric family obviously a big part of anybody who's watched pro wrestling for anything any real length of time um the most storied and most tragic family in the history of professional wrestling, easy. And um The Grams? The Grams? Nah, nah. Close. Nah, I I I'd give the Von Eric. Because the Von Eric's tragedy is just like it, it defies logic in a lot of places. So um, you know, I think the big thing like people are wondering is was Fritz Von Eric this like this? And that's where the debate is coming up is like, was he one of these guys like the scene in there where he says, you know, everybody knows that Carrie's my favorite followed by Kevin, David, but that order subject to change. It's like, who, what kind of father says that shit to their kids? So um, it's, but it looks fantastic. Zach Efron. I think this is a, a role that's going to get a lot of people talking about him in a different way. Um, so I think, yeah, when you look at, you know, you got scenes where they're fighting the Freebirds, you got Ric Flair pro stuff in there. It, like you said, Pat, it's going to be glorious and soul crushing at the same time. And it's A24. So, you know, it's going to be fucking excellent. I'm here for it. Tony. I, I think this could get nominated. It's hilarious, though, how they have like actors who are like 5'5 five, five and 5'6 five, playing guys who are like 6'3 and 6'4. Um but I'm I'm totally here for Jeremy Allen White, you know the Bear, Shameless, etc. Uh, the look looks good. It's just I can't help but watch this trailer and go, man, you're like eight inches shorter than the guy you're playing. Um, <laughs> but even um, even I think it was uh, who, one of, one of the um, Von Erichs, Marshall Marshall Von Erich said that uh, Kevin's son, yeah, yeah. While it, while it's not totally 
you know, true, there's some liberties taken, but that's Hollywood, right? When they tell a story like this, um, it's really good and, and it looks really good. So I can tell you like, Dave, we were talking about who's in the movie as far as characters and, and, and from that era, um, MJF is playing, uh, Lance Von Eric, by the way. Yep. So he's in the yep. movie. Um, you got, you have a Ric Flair, you have a Michael Hayes, you have a Harley race, you have a Bruiser Brody, Chavo Guerrero's playing the Sheik. So, uh, Ryan Nemus is playing, uh, Gino Hernandez. So th- those are some interesting wrestling connections in it. So it should look good. These guys look great, by the way, you know, the Von Eric's were in shape dudes, man. So they, they look really good. Can I, I actually, last thing I want to say, I'm really sorry. I can't wait to see how they tell the story of Kerry losing his foot. Right. And I mean, they hint at it in the uh, in the movie too, or in the trailer. Um, is it funny that of all you know, you were talking about size and everything. Of all the actors, I was like Zac Efron, maybe bulked up a little too much to be Kevin because Kevin was always smaller, more slight, high flyer of the two. He was what I would describe as wiry in sort of frame. Like if you if you watch him, and shout, no, don't do it. I know what you're gonna do. Shout out to the replacements. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Ray, it's your your turn, buddy. Um, one thing first, uh, you mentioned MJF. Was there ever a role he was built to play than Lance Von Eric? Like, how perfect is that role for him? <laughs> the the fake Von Eric. I think that's fantastic. Um, so we are wrestling fans. We know the story. We know the people. This trailer wasn't for us no, because no, no. this trailer didn't touch anything that we know. This trailer basically was an introduction to this family. And framed it from a different place than the movie's going to actually go. And I think that was a genius move because when you're trying to sell this to Hollywood, I mean, of recent years, probably ever, I'm trying, I'm struggling to think of any. But in the mainstream, there's only been really three mainstream movies about wrestling that weren't documentaries, that were like scripted movies. Page's movie, The Wrestler, and this. So like, you got to frame it in a way that's going to get mainstream eyes on it. It's already gotten a bit of a pass to a certain extent among movie buffs and movie uh, snobs and movie critics because it's a 24 movie. But then you frame it from the idea of a family gone awry with possibly the patriarch leading them down this path. The wrestling part doesn't matter. We all going to go see it anyway. So I think it's a very genius way to frame the movie. Um, I think it's casted perfectly. I think the tone and the, and the, the visuals match the time because you know, being from the South, we all know what the Sportatorium looks like. And it looks pretty much like the Sportatorium, which is a very cool thing to see. Um, I have no doubt that Zac Efron chose this movie when the movie wasn't even funded yet and went through multiple start stops and start stops. He wanted this role. He wanted this performance. So a lot of the times when we see an actor who does that, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool come to mind. They knock it out the park. I have no doubt this is going to be a fantastic movie. And I don't think Tony's off on his assertion that it could possibly be nominated. I don't. Because name me a year in the past seven years or so that A24 hasn't had a movie nominated. And if I'm not so, mistaken, this is so their one. A24 has been around year. for like three years. So like it's not like it's had a huge It's been a little history. longer than that. They've been like. Ah, it's, not, it's, it's still a relatively un, unknown no, slash known studio. Uh, but 
I agree with you guys. I, I bet you this gets nominated for Best Picture. Hell, The Wrestler got nominated by for Best Picture. Darren Aronofsky. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in the same vein as that. Like, this isn't ready to rumble. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but okay. So let's we're going to move on. Uh, I want to I want to hit on a couple of New York Comic Con trailers that came down. Um, we got our first full trailer. In fairness. Company was founded in 2012. Ray Ray can't hear me acknowledge that he that it's older than I gave it credit for. Um, so 2012, Ray, you're 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 fair. It's been around for a bit longer than I gave it credit for. So it's mm-hmm. really picked up steam the last few years, though. Uh, 2021 yeah. um, was when it was started to look, but its first its first studio uh, its first big year was 2023 in terms of sweeping best picture, best director. And all four uh, acting categories. So, been a lot but, going on there. Yeah, man. I just, but this, it, think so, of all the Ladybird, Moonlight, The Well, Ex Machina, Room, Minari. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm everything, not, everything, I, yeah. They, they, every, they don't win. They up there every year. So, I do want to move in. We're, we're really running a little long today. So, I want to move into our other uh, two trailers for today, today out of, um, out of New York Comic Con. Uh, Dave, I'm going to start with you. You got a full Scott Pilgrim takes off trailer from New York Comic Con from Netflix. Did you have a chance to watch it? I did. Um, <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, it, you actually it, sound disappointed. Uh, what it, happened? It, it it was the one that you shared was uh, it was very it was the Japanese version of it, and it just felt like Scott well, just, Pilgrim. Just the names. Well, yeah, I mean, it, but the trailer, the way it all felt, was like Scott Pilgrim meets Dragon Ball Z, and I'm like, uh, I wasn't that into this trailer. Um, but it, it, it didn't add a so, lot to what I think we already talked about. That's interesting. It just, I mean, it did outline I find it, the I find characters. I it interesting though. that you're critical of this because it's Scott Pilgrim. The comic is rooted in manga and anime, dude. Like it's not like, it's definitely influenced by Japanese pop culture and entertainment. It is. But this, this just felt like a Dragon Ball Z commercial to me more than Scott Pilgrim. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, well, Tony already gave the throat slashing motion because he doesn't like anime anyway. So we'll go to Ray Cash. Um, did you have a chance to watch the Scott Pilgrim takes off trailer? Ray says no. I, I did not, but it's Scott Pilgrim. It, what, did it look good? Because the story is dope. Well, D- Dave didn't like it. I uh, I thought it was fun. Uh, I thought it, it made a point to make sure that you got to see each and every character and, and who's coming back and all of their voices. So it had that going for them. Uh all right, let's get to the other big trailer reveal, though. Though, and I know this is one that everybody here was was interested in and excited about. We got an Invincible season two trailer uh, as, as it is making its return to Amazon Prime. Everybody nodded on that one, so um, let's let's get to it then. Um, who wants to go first on this? As it looks like we're going interdimensional, fellas. Ray shared it. Maybe he should some, go first. Maybe some alternate. Ultimate Invincibles out there, Ray. What do you think? What do you think of this trailer? How excited are you? Man, look, I've been screaming for two things over the past year. Give me the boys. Give me Invincible. So I got Invincible back. I'm happy. You know the one thing from the trailer that really caught my eye more than anything. It never crossed my mind that Invincible. I don't remember his actual name. Um, can is is ever considered himself possibly becoming his father? And this trailer played a lot on the idea of, yeah, he knows he's half Viltrumite, but he always never leaned to that side after he found out. Um, but 
that there's a concern that he may in turn become his father. You know, and there's a little scene at the end where he said that we're coming for you and don't fight back and all this. But that's that that's interesting to me because I didn't see the series going that way. I saw him and the rest of the world having to deal with the after effect of Omni-Man and what happened. Uh, Mr. Immortal and him have the big fight, as you'll see in the trailer. But I didn't think that he would be the one who would be questioning his allegiance, maybe. Um, I'm excited for that. Um, and yes, interdimensional stuff. Apparently, Viltrum is trying to figure out what's going on. Like, I, it's it's so many threads. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see Adam Eve c- continue to grow because, again, y'all y'all spent two episodes complaining about uh, Khaleesi being OP'd. There is not a character in television more OP than Adam Eve. She can create everything. Uh, this no, is true. Yeah. It's so I'm so hyped, bro. I'm so ready for this. Like, hey man, Seth Rogen low key may be like the smartest dude in all of comics right now because he got the two best comic shows out. So I'm ready. You're ready. Is Tony ready? Tony, you? I'm definitely ready. I, I echo a lot of the sentiments Ray had. It's just it's one of those series that you had a whole lot of fun and and couldn't wait to see the next episode when it came down. Right. Um, we all. I mean, bandwagon approved 1000%. We've been talking, we've been waiting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm ready to go. And the wait is nearly over as we're getting to early no- November. Dave, you're all in too, I'm assuming, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. This trailer was fantastic. Like Ray saying, there's so many things going on in here. The the stuff at the end does raise questions, you know, like father, like son, perhaps. I don't know what's exactly happening at the end. And and nowhere to be found in this trailer is any sign of Omni-Man. And you know he's coming. So at some point in time, that shit hits the fan. Now, you know, when it happens, will Mark embrace him? Say, hey, dad, guess what? I see your point of view now. Or... Is there going to be something else happening? So I, I'm absolutely here for it. I mean, I'm going to lean towards option B. Something else is going. This is a red herring trailer post. Like it's it's that's not him. It's whether it's a variant or whatever. I'm I'm willing to bet good money that it's, it's not him. Hello, Ray, Ray's about to say goodbye. I think. Okay. No, he's he's yeah, just got yeah. he's just got to get some people in line. Ray's going to tell him, yeah, damn it, I'm recording. I can't be messing with you guys right now. Life it's is all right. Well, life, life is, is happening. happening, and it'll be okay. We're going to go through our lives though too, um, and call it a close the book on the trailer park. Yeah, I'm I'm in there too, all in for Invincible season two. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to see it. November is coming. Uh, and and we'll be here here for it to, to look at it and get excited for it. All right. Uh, made it an executive decision. Cut one of the stories. I, I don't think it really matters too, too much because we knew it was happening anyway. But for those of you who care, check out the Activision Blizzard purchase by Microsoft. It's complete. They got a whole bunch of titles, including Call of Duty. Good for them. I really want to talk about this story that broke in the middle of the week regarding Marvel. And specifically, Hollywood Reporter report, you know, put out this story that Daredevil Born Again has had a complete reset button hit on the series. And that story what? Like, that's the headline part of this. 
is that four episodes had been put in the can. Kevin Feige watched it and was like, what is this shit? And said, we are doing this wrong and ended it. And to, to prove his point, allegedly, Dare, Charlie Cox isn't in the Daredevil suit until episode four of the series. And that it was playing out like a Law and Order style courtroom drama. And, and yeah, Matt Murdock's a lawyer and I need to see Matt Murdock as a lawyer. I don't need entire procedural shows floating around with Matt Murdock as a lawyer. And so Kevin Feige was like, no, let go of Chris Ord and Matt Corman as the head writers, release the directors for the remainder of the season, and are going back to the drawing board looking for new writers, directors for the project. Charlie Cox is still there as Matt Murdock, and you know he's, he's appeared in the MCU twice, so he is definitely going to be there. That's all a big story in its own. Like the trouble that is Daredevil born again and whether or not this thing actually happens. The bigger story, though, that came out of this, though, is as you read this article, Feige maybe finally realized that the way Marvel has been trying to do television can't be done and that maybe having a showrunner is a good thing. And so this possibly is going to lead to Marvel and the MCU putting together more cohesive series and and we have reviewed several of these shows and we've defended several of these shows that said you know some of them are bad or whatever they've been critical a lot of them have been critically panned and reviewed tough even shows that we've enjoyed we've had criticism for this is is a significant set uh step and i i hope that it is a step in the right direction for marvel cinematic universe television uh Dave, I'll go to you first for reaction to either the story of the show and its complete reset button or just how Marvel's going to do business making television moving forward. Yeah, I'll make two big points here. Um, Daredevil Born Again has absolutely nothing to do with Matt Murdock being a lawyer in the comics. Zero. And to do a show about a courtroom drama on an aspect of this that nobody, not even me, who I am an attorney... I don't need to see that. I live it. So, you know, it's like I, I that makes no sense to me to wait four episodes to bring him in in the Daredevil suit. I think the bigger story is that Marvel not using showrunners and you get the idea when you read this stuff as to see how these series were produced, you know, big changes as far as creative in the middle of series. And you wonder why some of them felt a little disjointed in places because there's not one single coherent kind of voice or thought or line going on there and feige is you know kind of like looking this saying yeah maybe there is something to this criticism even though there's been many shows that we've loved you know miss marvel is one of them um you know moon knight it was another one that sort of thing um i think but i also caught in this thing and i i'm pretty sure you guys caught it too marvel and kevin feige does an about face here in this article where remember a couple like a year or so ago where Marvel was of the opinion, we're going to get away from the series and we're going to do more of these special presentations. And in this article, they're saying, nah, fuck that. We're going back to multi season series and not just kind of like shoving everything down your throat in one limited run. We're going to space this thing out. We're going to work on character development more. We're going to make these seasons. Loki two is a good example of what they can do with this larger palette. Um, so yeah, the fact that daredevil born again is, you you know, to steal from Spider-Man going back to formula, 
doesn't surprise me with what they said that they had in there. But I think the bigger thing is, yeah, the direction Marvel definitely shifting their focus and going in a way that they previously said they didn't want to go. That's a pretty big deal. Tony, either either piece of this story. What are, what's your reaction? Feige's in charge still and, and making 100% of the decisions. I think that's fairly evident. But like, I mean, Daredevil's an interesting thing because it's been done well. It's been done poorly. It's been done to a certain extent on different things. Uh, streaming wise, but why not go ahead and be able to give yourself the liberty to express the entire story by doing streaming series? It seems like we get more of the story when we do that as opposed to waiting two to three years to tell another part of the story in a two and a half hour movie that everybody bitches is too long, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's very impressive, by the way. You said Feige's still in charge. It's kind of a it takes a certain it takes a certain willingness to swallow some pride to say the way I I said we should do this was not the right way to do it and, and that's why he's in charge. Like I, I firmly believe that. Ray, your reaction to the Daredevil Born Again reset or the fact that Kevin Feige basically said that they've been doing doing shows wrong and need to revisit how they're approaching things. I want to talk about the showrunner thing because I disagree with the entire premise. I think the way they've done it has been exactly the way they should have done it. I, I hate this idea that we're all, I acknowledge that critically a ton of these shows did not do well critically. I enjoyed them all. You guys enjoyed the majority of them and I get it, whatever. My issue is simply the entire reason for the streaming television side of the MCU was to give the people who had been on screen in movies their opportunity to have their movie through a, a episodic series. The series were essentially movies broken apart. I think, and I continue to think, that is the right decision for the majority of the characters that are going to have those series. Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes deserved a movie that was, and they did it that way. One division, same way. I, so I, I still stand by that. Now, I acknowledge that you can't do that for everything, which is why they made such a big deal when they brought Daredevil back and he announced it at Hall H or whatever it was, that it was going to be an 18-episode series because they're deviating from the norm because that show came from the world of showrunners and a different world, a different setup in the Netflix Defendersverse. But the idea, we're talking about cohesiveness. One of the complaints about Marvel movie, particularly from directors, has been I can't direct the way I want to direct because I have to stay in line with what Marvel wants to do. Well, if Marvel's running the movies, the way the shows where they want to run their movies, that question isn't a problem. If we're going to have showrunners now. How many showrunners going to give up the job like Edgar Wright? Because I can't do what I wanted to do because the whole point of a showrunner is to have practically autonomy to their show and they're going to be right. there's going to be there's going to be issues there and if marvel is such a different situation than any other medium and any other company in the medium because everything they do has to interconnect every even what if interconnected in a way right the end of doctor strange and multiverse strange supreme we see the eye like it all matters so this isn't something where you can just say, go make the best show. You can't just do that. Things have to interconnect and you have to make sacrifices for the good of, sometimes you have to take, 
It's like football. Sometimes you got to take an L here for the good of what's going to happen in four years, right? I, I, I hate to keep spamming this, 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 this fact, but Age of Ultron was such a major disappointment, and now we look back on it like, damn, that was really good because it took seven, eight, nine, ten more movies and streaming shows for everything to make sense. So for you to just say, nah, screw that, we did it wrong because people didn't like it and we didn't make all the money we wanted to, so we're going to do it like everybody, every other show does, kills the uniqueness of the franchise to me. I don't like it. Well, I'm going to push back on this, and I'm going to use She-Hulk as an example. Okay. Because She-Hulk was originally supposed to be managed by, and I want to make sure I get her name right. Uh, Hold on. Where is her? Sorry, I was looking at this. Uh, Jessica Gao. Jessica Mm -hmm. Gao was the developer and writer of She-Hulk. She -hmm. would be considered the showrunner of She-Hulk if this was the model that was adopted. She got canned. She got canned and replaced by a different writer who then took it over. Kat Coiro mm-hmm. took it over and then became showrunner. Yeah. And then she got canned and they brought Gal back for post-production. It's in the in the scenario you're asking for, Ray, this is what a showrunner is supposed to do. We we go through like Marvel and even series that I've liked out of Marvel, like I'll use Captain America and the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. as an example. That series was too long it was over long and it was i i there are some episodes that could i, don't, have I disagree i disagree with you and i'm and this i may is, be in the minority i acknowledge that but and this I and this is the thing is it's not about like there's there's freedom to be a director and, and there's freedom to be a creator and the way a showrunner works is bill lawrence for example i'm gonna i'm gonna go away from marvel bill lawrence showrunner for ted lasso yep not the director of every episode of to- ted lasso but yeah, yeah. It's his vision, and he has the final say. In a lot of these shows, that's not what Marvel was doing. And so it was a lot of disjointed visions that take a little bit too much time. And while it's an enjoyable show, like, and while I can say I enjoyed episodes of shows and, the, you know, and what was put out there, like I, I reviewed stuff well, I see Feige's point in the sense that it's not like Kevin Feige saying, you know, F this, I'm going to control every show. Sure, sure, it's, sure. It's this person. So, like, Edgar Wright would be the showrunner for, say, an Ant-Man series. And he'd get, like, he'd be the guy that would then oversee the other directors and writers. So sure. he becomes the final say. We're and on so the same point, me, yeah. Right. And so for me, what I'm interpreting here out of Feige is this sort of, we're going to have this director, this director, this director, and this director. I'll bring these great visions to this character or whatever that wasn't really presenting a completely cohesive picture in a way that, and and to be frank, is palatable to a larger audience. And at the end of the day, that is part of it, as much as we may not like it. And so I don't okay. necessarily see it as a terrible thing. I see it as an opportunity for Ray Cash. You're the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're the final say. Mm-hmm. Dave Ungar, Patrick O'Dowd, PC Tani are directors for your episodes of your vision that you're going to have the final sale. That's I, what a showrunner does. I got you. And I still think it's a stupid, terrible idea because okay. Kevin Feige I disagree with you. is the showrunner. And all not. of these other. He, he is. Because the Kevin Feige the guy is who hires the, the showrunner. Kevin Feige. No, no, no. You're talking about now, before. Kevin Feige was the guy who created, who ran. And let the plan out. And he hired someone to do that plan. You just gave rolled out a, the perfect example of that. If 
if I was a showrunner and I hired Dave Ungar, Patrick O'Dowd, and PC Tunney to be to to do to um direct these whatever, I'm the one that runs the show. Kevin Feige has been that guy. If he's if he's if he's overstretched, that's a different conversation. But we what do we complain about DC every every time we talk? Now, I'm not talking about Warner Brothers, but DC. There's no co there's no cohesion. The reason Marvel has become the juggernaut it's become is because Kevin Feige has been the creative force running everything. Once you start deviating from that process, we're going to lose what made it special. It's not going to be Kevin Feige's vision anymore. I don't think it's going that far, though. I I really don't think it's going that far. We'll revisit this. I do. do. And I'm I'm scared for where we're going. I'm still going to like everything. I, I have no doubt. But the cohesion's going to die. I just, I just, I know. I, I don't. Th- I think it's going to be. I think it's actually going to be a much more streamlined thing because I do think that part of this is that Kevin Feige can't do everything, and I, I think that honestly, I think this is a realization. Like he watched this series, and this is the first time it's maybe hit him in the face as hard as it as it's hit him in the face. But I, I don't know. I just, I don't. I think it's going to help bring Marvel back into focus because I do think that it is a fair argument to say that post Endgame, Marvel has had a lot of good stuff, but has it been cohesive? Has yes. it been? Ha- it I don't think it has. Though. I don't think it really has. Because we, I'm gonna, because I'm gonna we let Dave. I'm gonna let Dave. We gotta let Dave and Tony jump in before we keep well, fighting with just, each other. I just think like from the standpoint of the movies, that's one thing. You know, you you don't you don't have a lot of. You don't have things switching mid-movie, which we saw what happened with Justice League and that sort of thing. These TV shows have been a little bit different. Like, Pat, you were talking about She-Hulk and what that went through with creative changes in the middle of the series being filmed. Um, You've seen the same thing has happened. I mean, that's very DC-esque of Marvel to do these kind of switches midstream. And yeah, Feige's like... He's overseeing everything, but he's not the one. He's like, here's my idea. You guys go run with this thing. So showrunner, showrunner. Well, showrunners are the ones in charge of creative. They're the Vince McMahons, and the, and they're like the writing room of That's this Kevin whole thing. Feige. What's the difference? But he's not writing this stuff. He's he's just giving the idea and saying, you guys go do it, and the then they go do it. Right? Yeah, they do. Not every showrunner. Most of them. I, I mean, that's my understanding of a showrunner is the, the the producers and all that stuff. They take care of the technical details, getting people in the right place, doing this, you know, that sort of thing. But it's the showrunners who are the creative behind all this stuff. So if you don't have yeah. that cohesion going on, because I don't think Feige's writing, I, I, you know, you're telling me he wrote all the episodes for Moon Knight or She-Hulk. I don't no. think so. No, no. But the- when you get multiple people doing that, then you do get something that's disjointed with these TV shows. The movies are different. That's one director, one voice. Here's the script. Go do it. Okay, fine. The shows have been good, but they. I think we would all agree that some of them have been a little uneven. And I think that's kind of an indication that Feige is, you know, saying, well, I'm letting other people do this. Maybe he needs, you know, maybe I need a tighter grip on this. Let me get just, you know, one person that I can coordinate with and, and try and, you know, make this thing flow a little bit better i don't know i mean i I've, I've thought most of the shows have been fine some of them have felt a little like what's going on here we're all gonna disagree on this point from from one standpoint clearly we all have different definitions for showrunner because to me right your your your, your use of Vince man is a perfect example because for me the showrunner is the head creative the showrunner does not have to be the head writer 
there are writer, writers' rooms for that, especially on episodic televisions. The showrunner is the person who puts together the package of the show. This is the idea. This is the plan. This is the setup. You write the dialogue. This is the plan. The showrunner doesn't so, have to be a part of that. Real quickly, because I love Google. A showrunner is the person with creative authority and management responsibility over a television series. That's Kevin showrunner, Feige. Well, and Kevin Feige is stepping back from that because for whatever reason, he can't do it. I, I don't know what to tell you, right? There's not going to be a satisfactory answer for you here, right? I oh, think yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that what he is doing is he is realizing that, like, and actually, I just, I'm going to, we don't have time to do this, like, in the moment. And, and so I, I do want to go back and look and see what they've defined as what. But the showrunner is frequently the writer of the show or a writer of the show, because no show is just one writer. Like, it's just not. There's there's multiple credits. And is always the executive producer. So, again, and, in, you know, there's multiple executive producers that's listed. We'll have to wait and see. But I think that this... I, I think that this shows that that Feige recognized the need for something to change, at least out of the MCU television product. One of the running jokes, by the way, just to talk about phase, like why I talk about cohesion, one of the running jokes out of the MCU's current phases is after every Marvel show or movie, nobody acknowledging the end results of the Eternals and the big fucking building hand thing. Right? Like that, that's the sort of stuff, whether that detail needs to be talked about or not, and whether that's a nit to pick. It's because like, all that stuff happened at the same time. Yeah, we haven't right, I'm, not disagree. I, I'm not disagreeing with you when it happened. It's just a joke that gets made. And, sure, and but, these are things that, but these are part of the reasons why people, people complain because they're not getting what they want, not because things are bad. And like we all have collectively forgotten how it felt to live in 2008 when the MCU was starting. And when all none of those movies made any sense together. There was no cohesion of the first four or five movies for Avengers. Only, only cohesion was Coulson appeared in a bunch of them. There was no cohesion. There was no cohesion in phase two. But then we've got to the Avengers movies and, oh, hey, it all makes sense. It's just we're, 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 we're not seeing the forest for the trees. And so to change your whole business model based on this, it, it's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I don't like it. And I can see Marvel going Mar- – Marvel's about to head downhill drastically i see it wait wait. i, see I thoroughly just dis- i Hold thoroughly on. disagree with you we're going to end this conversation let me let me yeah, throw- we can't keep going we're, we're going to be in circles here i just want like, to throw I don't this think out that's though happen at all ray you trust kevin feige right i trust kevin feige i don't trust if anybody he, else if he's the one saying hey look i think this might be a little bit too disjointed maybe he's got a point i don't think so but okay i know patrick wants to move on well, we need to move on like we, we're an hour and 40 minutes into the program like we got we got to keep going um anyway okay we're going to take our next commercial break. We're going to, we're going to get back to this. Uh, we're going to change discussion. We're going to talk about how PC Tony was only half right. Uh, Tony is uh, playing Switzerland uh, in this in this last conversation. Stay staying out of it. Stay out of it. Um, and it's fine. We still we still love each other. We just disagree. As you have the balls to wear a flash shirt to this program after that dumpster fire of a movie. Uh, when we come back, we are going to go back to Strike Talk. I thought we were done. This for the TV, but we're not. It's for the TV series. Oh, is it for the TV series? Well, I hope so. All right. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to go back and talk uh, a little bit more uh, bad news in the world of strikes. Uh, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. 
Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Okay, welcome back everyone to Bandwagon Nerds here on the CHAIRSHOT Radio Network, part of the CHAIRSHOT.com. We remind you to always use your head, ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash chair shot to get all of your dope chair shot swag, $19.99 for a standard shirt, spend a few dollars more, get it soft style, your giblets will thank you. All right, gentlemen. One, first of all, apologies on the rundown that I uh, put the link to uh, the same article twice uh, on the rundown. That was, a, that, was a, that was a drop ball on my part as I wanted Ray to get double hot over the Hollywood Reporter article from, from Daredevil. Uh, as it is, uh, we got some bad news out of the actor strike. So we were we were overjoyed. We were like, hallelujah, praise baby Jesus Lord, Jesus Lord, hallelujah, all that sort of stuff. We were very thrilled. The writers come to an agreement. We're like, this will mean that the sag after strike might be heading towards conclusion. And then on Thursday... We get in our, we get reports that uh well tag after talks and um and the uh yeah the producer the, the production company talks have uh well they broke down guys uh they walked away and and here's the thing that's it's just truly heartbreaking in my opinion literally it feels like the production companies used the same fucking playbook with the writers that they did with the actors that led to a breakdown and thus it broke down and then the production companies tried to do the same public relations campaign against the actors that didn't work the first time what are we doing here honey why why did you why did you put christmas in my hopes you've ruined christmas honey you've ruined christmas sometimes sometimes you just get a little setback and you think you can't make it out of the woods, but it's coming, Patrick. And I think, I think I'm still going to be right. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I don't want to jinx it. What? But, but why though? I mean, why not? I mean, and the, I mean, if shit, you can talk about Illinois football before the show. I still think CM Punk's going to show up at survivor series. So there you go. Mute that man. I'm about to get booed. It's been nice being on this episode. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm actually mildly distracted right now. You know, you can still be on the show. Uh, hold on. Uh, today, you know, but I, I will. Um, what's it? I, I can. All right, you're muted. There you go. Um, uh, Dave, chime in. The, the Tunny who ruined Christmas. That sounds like an episode title to me, man. That's. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I tell you, man. I yeah. It, to me, this is more like the uh, studio is going shit work last week um so let's go <laughs> ahead and try it again uh you know it's like let's see this playbook worked before we got you know we got a resolution we probably got a few concessions from the writers let's see if we can pull the same crap with the actors i i, I tend to agree with tony i think this is a, a a a speed bump um you know it's gonna work itself out i i think you know they'll they'll get back to the table pretty quick this is all posturing. It's part of the negotiation tactics. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see this lasting past Christmas, no matter how much Tunny might want to ruin the holidays for, you know, at least you didn't ruin Hanukkah, Tunny. So thank you. I'll, I'll say that. Thank, my, my, my bestie. 
Isn't my Hanukkah Jewish, before Christmas? My Jewish brother. It's like isn't Hanukkah before? It's kind of before, during, and after. So it's it's amorphous. It's amorphous. <laughs> we have an amorphous. Isn't that, when, isn't that when animals have like human features in movies or something? No, amorphous is when certain stuff merges together to have the features of each other, which is kind of what you, which is what you said, but it's broader. Literally, what I just described, Zootopia. Dave, it's not Dave just animals. Con- <laughs> Dave's condescending. No, there was one of the best things that's happened today. <laughs> it was. It was very good. Um. Ray, why did Tony ruin Christmas? Because Tony likes Tony is an agent of chaos. Tony is a Tony technically is a Loki. This he's this is his very Tony is Agent Tony. Smith from the Matrix. There you go. Um, the I think the the studios are so stupid. I just don't understand. They're they're going to have to concede eventually. Just do it now. It's going to cost <laughs> you a lot less money. But they don't realize the actors have a lot more <laughs> uh, things legs to stand on than the writers. The writers were fighting. For their livelihoods, like they couldn't afford rent. A good portion of these actors got a little money, bro. They might, you know. Well, you got people like The Rock and people like Oprah and all these top level people giving all this money out to try to the to the SAG after to pay for the. Yeah, they they could be in this for the long haul. So it's the, yeah, I got it, Ray. The Endeavor CEO went to the uh, studios and said, "Look, we need to get John Cena and The Rock at WrestleMania. Drag this thing out a little bit longer, please." <laughs> Your boy Cena did say. Hey, the second we're good, I'm out. And he's still wrestling. So clearly, tell you some. No, this thing will be over soon because they they'll they'll see the ills of their their plan. It's 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 a stupid plan. They know it is because they just lost out like a couple weeks ago. Right. You. I just I don't understand why you would even go back to that well. Like, why would you go back to that well? Arrogance, man. Like, why why are you laughing? I because I was thinking the same thing. It's it, yeah I, yeah I mean. Whatever. It's it's beyond explanation. But yeah, so folks, we're not out of the woods yet, uh, which made for a very interesting uh, Comic-Con, by the way, because Ewan McGregor, for example, did a panel at New York City or New York Comic-Con and talked about his laundry habits and where he likes to get food at one point because he literally couldn't talk about projects that he was working on as the actor strike. Did he have a thought on how, how to fold a fitted sheet? I did not see that question in the Q&A. That's, uh, I just I mean, like as far as laundry goes, that's that's the biggest, you know, most. I mean, as somebody thing. who works in the service industry and used to have to fold fitted sheets for a while, I, I'm pretty good at it, uh, if I do say so. I, I mean, are you just kind of making fake corners? Is that what you're doing? That's all you do. Basically, yeah, you just gotta gotta turn a round thing into a square. It's not okay. too hard. Uh, anyway, I'm not yelling laundry, at you. You're the one that asked me to ruin Christmas from the bandwagon. How the Tunny Stole Christmas. That's this, what happened. This is here. total BS right now. <laughs> nah, it's 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 fact. All right, one last news note before we get to what you're watching. It was actually revealed early today, I think is when I shared it with you guys, or, or maybe late yesterday. Michael Caine did an interview and announced his retirement from acting at 90. First of all, I feel like you've earned it. Uh, but we talked about the trailer for his, uh, his last film that he's going to be doing that's coming out. We talked about how it will... It, it is very possibly going to be nominated for Oscar Oscars, and he may or may not um, be up for another acting role, acting award for the Great Escaper. Ninety years young, though. Us here in the in the nerdosphere, we've got him as Alfred the Butler, amongst many many other films. I I only wish that I have the energy that someone like him and a, and a Dick Van Dyke have at, at age ninety to barely get around, you know, or still get around in in lead the lives they do um 
but hell of a career. And yeah, I saw a tip of the cap or three. Any thoughts on Michael Caine before Tony does his bad Michael Caine impersonation that he has done on more than once on this program? I I just want to yeah, say his 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 reasoning is the most gangster shit I've ever heard. He I've done like, it all. No, his no his re- well that's part of it. But he was like, if I'm gonna keep getting roles being an old ninety year old man, I might as well just be a real ninety year old man and just keep- you're right. Like right. I love it. It's so smart. He was kind of like. You know, at 90, you, you can't be a real leading man in, today, in today's movies as a 90-year-old. I mean, it's like he's basically said, I can't keep my pimp hand strong anymore. So, got to step down. Don't need no hateration in this dancery, sir. Okay? Time to go ahead and let it, and just let it go. All right, Tony. Breaking news at age 90. Michael Caine retires. Back to you, Patrick. I mean, okay. On, really, really. Let's really? see. Race God whiteboard. No, no. That's Bush. Man, Bushy. that's an end. I was trying to write fast. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, for for writing so poorly, I get the boo. You always get the boo. You know how this game is played. You act like you've never been here before, Ray. What are you talking about? You must be new here today. We fight, and then I boo you. That's how this show works, is we argue. And then so after dumb. the show's over, we go message each other and be like, love you, dog, and move on. Be nothing but love. I'll get my chocolate loving later. That's how it goes. All bandwagon nerd listeners, this is Stockholm Syndrome in audio form. I want you to know. Oh, stop. You love it here. You love it here. One of us. You mean one of us. Crying Wolf on two shows now, huh? No, I want, oh, I David Ozar's out again. All right, I let's get into our final show. segment of the program. Ray, we'll start with you just for funsies. What you watching? Well, I, I know I know Tony's going to bring up um, the new season of SNL, so I'll leave that to him and talk with him about that. But I started watching Gen V. Okay. How are we doing? How are the returns on that so far? Oh my God, it is so good. It is so good that I'm not screaming I want the boys right now because I got my boys fixed. It is so in sync and in synergy. In sync meant that, by the way. Um, But in so so synergistic. Synergistic. Let's go. Synergistic. Thank you. With With the boys. I love it and I need more. Like before the show, so Ravens played at 8.30 today and ended right before 12 o'clock. Instead of watching football in that one hour, I watched another episode of The Boys, of Gen V. It's like, it's that good. And what I love, it's called Godokin University, short for God, you. Like, little stuff like that is so dope, bro. I'm so here for it. If, you, if y'all haven't watched it, I don't know why we just kind of threw it to the wayside. I know we got a lot of stuff to watch. But we watched The Witcher over this. Go watch Gen V. It is fantastic. I bet it's because they have a showrunner. Um, anyway. <laughs> can't, can't Mute him, please. <laughs> Come on. That was good stuff. Yeah, good the stuff. showrunner is Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, sir. Oh, that okay, they still have a showrunner. Anyway, Dave, what you watching, my friend? That's right. You knew he wasn't going to boo himself, Ray. Come on now. Hey, Dave, hold on, Dave. I didn't even. I touched no hey. buttons. Patrick, I curse you. Okay. Oh, no, you're, you're you're not a little black girl. Yeah, so you don't live in. You I don't have live three in, a... in the other room. Do you yeah. really want me Did any of them curse me? 
do it. You got to get one of them to do it because you're a grown black man. You're not a you're not a small black girl. Don't make don't make me make the call. <laughs> I'll call your grandma. You call my grandma. What? No, Patrick? no, I ain't calling your grandma. That was bad taste. That joke was from last week. That was based <laughs> like, on our Teen Titans Go joke from last week. It if was you not talk to meant her, to be tell hurtful. Her I said I miss her. Please. Oh, yeah, that was not meant to be hurtful, Ray. I'm sorry. No, I know, I know, I know. Poor taste. Yeah. Only thing I'm watching no, no, no. is uh, the Washington Commanders somehow hold on for dear life yeah. against Atlanta and get the win. Now I haven't I haven't watched much this week. Just haven't had haven't had a lot of time. Had a lot you know stuff work related. So nothing really. Watching wrestling, you know that sort of stuff. That's about Great that's week. about it. You know, I, yeah, a little week, a little right? bit of wrestling was going on this week. Uh, just you know, a little bit here and there. So yeah, that's I I can't I have nothing to report back to you guys on anything riveting or exciting no sorry all right well tony to you i know saturday live is back mr saturday night i'm sure that's one of the things you've been watching but what you've been watching bro i'm gonna give you a past i'm gonna give you a present and i'm gonna give you a future and we'll start with the past which was last night as we record saturday night live was back pete davidson was excellent as a host his uh his opening message his cold open was uh, reaching out to the people affected in Israel right now, and it was very heart touching, and it was well said. Who and would have I thought Pete would be the perfect person to talk about that? I mean, he talked about like the kids, man. It's like he he knows what it's like to be affected uh, as a kid. So I thought he did a good job as a host. I thought the writers were great. I think everybody was happy to be back and working and see each other, and it really came off in this show. Um, Ice Spice was excellent. As a musical guest, you also Travis had Kelsey and Taylor Swift, baby. Yes, you also had Swellsy at at SNL, so it was really fun. That's the past. Check it out. Uh, the the one thing I learned too is I totally forgot, even though I had heard that this was happening, that it was coming back because the writer strike. I forgot to record it, but I have the premium subscription on the cock, and I pulled it up Sunday morning, and I didn't even have any commercial interruptions. I ran right through it, so. I think that's how I'm going to watch it from now on. Uh, the present, Ray, Fast X. I'm about two-thirds of the way through it. Uh, that says something that I didn't finish the movie when I started watching. <laughs> uh, it's good, Sorry. but I don't get it. And I can, But I get how people how, who have endured all the movies get all the references. Because there's a lot of stuff I just don't get. And I get that I'm not getting it at the time. But I will finish it, and I'll get back to you then. Okay? The- Quick thoughts so far on uh, Dante Reyes, oh, a.k.a. Jason, Jason Moore. Oh, excellent. Jason Moore is so filthy as the fucking, as Satan. He's amazing. Um, favorite part of my uh, viewing experience so far. Um, future. Next week, what you watching? PC Tunney will tell you how he feels about the first three episodes of Frasier, the new iteration that is out. And I got them to record um because i just don't i figured out i have a subscription to paramount plus that i can access but i don't have it on my ps5 but i seen that they are cbs has them for you this tuesday night so check it out you can you can watch them there and record them if you don't have that and you do have a dvr with uh obviously you have cbs in your area so there you go past present future pc tunny what you watch uh i have a smart tv so i don't know why you need a ps5 Oh, I like to play video games. Oh, I do too. I mean, I have a PS5 and I, I play video games. Uh, anyway, I'm done trolling folks today. No, you're not. You know, 
I'm never done. Like it's never actually. I am. I who's ever actually done with the trolling? Okay. Um, I have continued to watch American Horror Story. But, um, that's uh, that season's been a lot of fun. I got a couple episodes to catch up there. I watched some classic horror this past week. If you have never gone back, HBO Max has Cabin in the Woods and Trick or Treat uh, currently available, and both are delightful horror movies from the mid to late, or you know, 2010 decade. Uh, if I had to recall, Chris Hemsworth before he was famous did this movie. It's it's great stuff. Uh, and Cabin Cabin in the Woods and Anna Paquin in a role that you might not expect to see her in, in Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat has a ton of great actors. Uh, I also intend to watch, uh, the, the, start watching the final season of Doom Patrol, as that is now up on Max as well, uh, ready to go. Just too much entertainment for us to be able to keep up with and cover all at one time. Uh, hey, here's some, as it is. Here's some breaking news. Suzanne Summers passed away today after her years-long Damn. cancer battle. Cancer battle. Oh, that sucks. Maybe I'll bust up the tonight. I, I'm here to now drag watch, you guys down. Watch a little Three's Company then and enjoy some Suzanne Summers from back in the day. Um, all right. Let's get out of here. Before we do that, though, quick once around. Tell everybody where they can find you out in the social media universe as well as on the Chair Shot Radio Network. This week, we will start with Reverend Raymond S. Cashington, Esquire, the 72nd. Well, you can find me on tagged at it's Ray Cash. That's R E Y as in Mysterio, C A S H as in tag, as in cash. Um, and don't forget to kick me on kick. I mean, people should kick you in for sport, right? Like in the you're you're borderline being mean now. Am I? Okay. <laughs> no, that's 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 how. For those of you listening, that's how Patrick tells me he loves me. That's that's. I do. That's, what what the hell is kick? By the way, I've never. You remember I'm, kick? K I K. It was like I'm a 45 years old. Like I, I, I got no idea. And you work at a college. Right. I, I don't work with the students though. I, yeah. I just handle he, their mail. He tries to I keep the kids. I don't really very care. far from I him. really don't care about their day-to-day lives. Like I, I, you know, I understood the yik yak, that business for a while. Until, They're not coming and, and spilling their whole, their whole life to Mr. O'Dowd. No, and, and I'm okay with, with that. I'm actually quite Patrick's happy got his that, couch so. set up. And, Come on, lay down. Tell me all your problems. Come on uh, in. Here, ha- have some hard candies. Um, Young person. Anyway, uh, David Ongar. Well, I, I, I'm going to be trying to hang out with Tony Khan's dealer uh, because I hear that's a lucrative side hustle. But anyway. Don't want that smoke. <laughs> you can find me on the platform formerly known as Twitter that is now the X at Attitude Ag that is at Attitude A-G-G. On Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression and on threads at Attitude of Aggression, all one words. And of course, if you disagree with anything that we've said here today, especially the whole showrunner debate, send your complaints to our complaint department, which is at It's Me DPP. Why, Tony? Uh, fuck that guy. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck I, that I guy. Still, I still like you, Dan. I still, I still rock with you. He's so lucky yesterday. I like the dillonator like his significant other it was her birthday so we went out and i bought lunch and i like looked at her and i was like happy birthday and i immediately look, looked at him and i go you lucky fucker because i bought his lunch too you know like shouldn't have to had to do that it wasn't his birthday follow me friends everybody on all social medias cheer show radio network sorry patrick and you can follow me on the x twitter at wrestling realist that is at w-r-e-s-t-l-n-g 
R-E-A-L-I-S-T. That same handle will allow you to follow me on Instagram as well as threads, which is where I will be when Elon starts charging. Also, be sure to follow Bandwagon Nerds on the X Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds. Maybe we should put up a poll. Is Patrick O'Dowd too mean on the podcast? Yes, no, maybe. It'll be like a do you like me to vote box square. They argue every fucking day. No. Anyway, that's going to do it. Yes, no, maybe. And Uh, the last option, who's Patrick O'Dowd? I tried to get us out of here, and and Dave starts talking. It's about time to mute everybody. All right. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Make sure you get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun. Check out shit. Check out Doom Patrol. Check out Saturday Night Live. Check out Gen V. Check out everything. There's some good good stuff and we just can't cover it all always use your head we'll see you next week this has been bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network a part of the chairshot.com you're a mean one mr grinch you really are a You're as cuddly as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole Your brain is full of spiders You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch Oh, you've got some nerve There are lives at stake Everyone here knows what you're doing, you know. You're just trying to make up for all the terrible, awful shit you've done in your life, you pathetic little man. Okay, that's enough. No, 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 it's, uh, it's riveting. Keep going, I want to hear more. Good. See, everything you and Sylvie have ever done to try to help has only ever made it worse. Is that right? See, I've read your file. It's you. You're the problem. Every time we've ever found a you. Problem is you think you're special, but you're not. So it doesn't matter what outfit you put on, play dress up, or what little lies you tell your friends, or even the lies you tell yourself. At the end of the day, you just make everything worse. For Mobius, for B-15, for your mother. That's what you do. You lose. You're a loser. Loki. Stop trying to be a hero, man. You're a villain. You're good at it. Do that.
Dance. 